Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. Psalms 39, 12 says this. It says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Tonight, no matter what we face, no matter what we've gone through, we can pray and God can show up and show out. So tonight and through the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of praying and different prayers throughout Scripture. And this is what we're looking at in Psalm chapter 24, if you want to join me there, it's in your handouts. And whenever we take notes, we believe when we read, when we write, and we recite, we're better to retain what we talk about this evening. So Psalm 24, this comes from the man by the name of David. It's a song, but it's a prayer of God's glory. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. For he laid earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, only those with pure hands and hearts that are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors. Who is the King of glory? And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter, who is the King of glory, the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Tonight, we're gonna to be talking about a prayer of glory. And when we recognize a prayer of glory, great things are done. And that leads me to this, this evening's big idea, recognize God's glory. Let's pray over tonight's reading of the word. If you'll bow your heads with me. God, right now in this prayer service and this worship time, may we continue to honor you. May we continue to love you, let you lead out and reveal to us your word in your great and holy name. We all say, amen. Well, hey, thank you again for joining us. So the other day I uh, was with a friend of mine and we were on a boat and uh, I'm relatively new, I've been in Florida for less than two years. And when we were on this boat, uh, a, an afternoon thunderstorm rolled in. Now for me, this individual, I'm from a landlocked place known as Missouri. Okay, now we have tornadoes out here, we have hurricanes, so it's a little different as well. Well, I'm on this boat, and I'm with my son, and this thunderstorm starts to blow in. Now, we were catching fish, and it was like one of those moments where we didn't want to leave this hot spot where the fish were biting, but the storm kept rolling in. Before we knew it, the storm was over us, and it was booming, and it was loud. Lightning was going, and we were trying to get back to the dock. And my son, he starts to quiver and starts to shake and starts to get pretty nervous. I'm sitting there like, holy smokes, as a boy that wants to just get on land, I'm, oh man, the boat's rocking, the waves are coming against it, and I started to get a little nervous. It was that moment when this thunderstorm rolled in and you hear the thunder and the lightning crackle and the waves roar. It's, wow, God's glory. The, the, the majesty that comes with this 
power, this supernatural power that nature obeys was mesmerizing. It was alarming. When we think about God's glory, we think of words of majesty and, and might, and we think of this moment, and we think of these, these, this strength. We can't even imagine God's glory. Tonight we're going to be talking about a prayer of God's glory where David comes to a moment, a realization of the glory of God. And it's found in, in, in Psalm 24, but when he's talking and when he's praying this prayer, he's actually in this moment of understanding. See, the Ark of the Covenant was this place that where God manifested his actual presence in Old Testament in front of his people, the Israelites. So the Ark of the Covenant is what David is observing coming into the city of Jerusalem. When it's entering into the city of Jerusalem, it's going up on Mount Zion, and, and David is taking a step back, and he's praying this prayer, and he's writing this psalm. He's putting pen to paper, and he's acknowledging the might the power, the glory of God. The might, the power, and the glory of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's unimaginable presence, God's unimaginable glory. So tonight as we look at it, we're going to actually even draw this parallel to Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11 where when Jesus teaches us how to universally pray, he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the very first step that we should look at whenever we enter into moments of prayer is this prayer of glory, this prayer of might, this prayer of power. So number one, we recognize God's glory by regarding his possessiveness. We recognize God's glory by regarding his possessiveness. Now, possessiveness, when it comes to humanity, is problematic. For instance, I have two sons. When they hang out upstairs, they have toys. The older son says to the younger brother that, hey, you don't know how to play with my toys properly. The younger brother yells down the stairs. The older brother isn't sharing. When we think about this idea of possessiveness for humanity, we want control. I would argue the reason that possessiveness is a struggle for us without God is even in our, in our giving area. We, we don't want to give at times because we want control. We want to possess and we want to hold on to what is ours. Now, possessiveness when it comes to God is actually peaceful. We come to this understanding, we, we come to this know-how that whatever I have isn't actually mine. Whatever God's entrusted me with is actually his. The psalm says that when David is writing in Psalms, the very first two verses of 24, when David's observing the glory of God, he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas, and he built it on the ocean's depth. See, we recognize God's glory, and we regard his possessiveness. We can live in a peaceful state knowing that everything is his. What, what he orchestrates, it's, it's by his will. What's going on in this, in this world is under his control, under his supervision, now, we call this theological principle, a, it's called God's sovereignty. 
Now, most preachers and scholars don't like to enter this arena because God's sovereignty leads to some pretty big church division. Now, I just want to uh, highlight what one of my favorite theologians, this man by the name of A.W. Tozer, the late A.W. Tozer, he says this, and I would lean into, this is probably where I establish my belief when it comes to God's sovereignty. He says, God's sovereignty means that he is in control of everything, that he planned everything from the beginning. Man's free will means that he can, anytime he wants, make the most of any choice he pleases with in human limitations, of course. Man's free will can apparently defy the purposes of God. Now, let me highlight that because you're like, whoa, man can defy God. God has an innate being, meaning God is why, like he has a certain particular will. For instance, God can't lie. We see this in Titus chapter 2. You know who can? Humans. Now, we have God's will and then we have humanity will. We call this this sovereignty of God where God's established the game and he's saying, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let the game play out. It's almost like this at any moment, whenever the chess game is in front of you, you can decide to flip over the chess board. You can decide to knock over the pieces. You can decide to scorch the pieces, but you won't because that's against your will when you play that game. God's sovereignty. See, God is possessive. But when we understand that God is possessive, we understand that there's peace, that we can rely on him, that when the world is going in uncertain places, when there's hurt, when there's pain, we can say, hey, I'll take a step back. I'm going to trust God because he's ultimately in control. When we recognize God's glory, we regard his possessiveness. David saw that when the ark was ascending onto Mount Zion. Number two for us this evening is this. We recognize God's glory by regarding his purity. His purity. Psalms 24 verses 3 and 4, they say this. David asked the question, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. So David is standing there in the presence, the tangible presence of the Lord is entering into the city and he's observing that. And then he asks the question, who can actually be there? Who can actually be around the presence of the Lord? And he's drawing this because what happens sometime earlier is the Ark of the Covenant, when it's marching, it's this throne. It has some chest on it. And the Levitical tribe would carry it. And these priests would lead. And people would have to stay almost 2,000 feet back. They would have to let the Ark get in front of them. And when the priests would lead, this one particular time, this man, he, the, the, the Ark starts to tip over and it's almost going to look like it's going to fall because they stumbled, the ox stumbled, and this man goes up and he tries to catch the Ark, puts his hand on it. The man instantly dies. Because guys, pure. We're like, well, how is that pure? Well, because there's a purification process when it comes to God's presence, God's glory. So David's drawing that recollection. He's saying, if that happened, what am I supposed to do? Who can enter into God's tangible presence? See, what David is actually saying here, he's actually prophetically setting the table for the coming Messiah, this man by the name of Jesus that we find in the New Testament who comes for each and every one of us to give us a new life. 
1 John 3, 3 says this, and everyone who thus hopes in him, talking about Jesus, purifies himself as he is pure. Jesus, the best illustration that I've ever heard of, is Jesus is like a jeweler. See, a, a jeweler, when they're isolated handling gold, they're in a removed room, they're, they're, they're uh, orchestrating, they're uh, putting together certain alloys that can hold gold together. Now, gold in its purest state, it never is outside of the jeweler's realm. It's not outside the jeweler's room. It's not outside of the jeweler's possession. Because ultimately, when the purest form of gold, 100% pure gold, is so soft, it's, it can dent, it can lose form, it can lose shape, that what happens is whenever it does, it, it, it can be damaged. So, I, I'm going to maybe burst some bubbles tonight. Ladies, men, if you have gold, even if your loved one said it's 100% pure, there are certain impurities that are orchestrated within that metal to keep that metal together. See, if we want to be made pure, we have to be in the, the, under the umbrella in a relationship with Jesus, the jeweler. It's those moments whenever we feel like, hey, I'm going to maybe step outside of that relationship, we start seeing these impurities come in. See, we can't enter into God's glory without a relationship with Jesus. We can't enter into uh, his realm, his, 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 his uh, eternity without a relationship with Jesus. He purifies those who believe and trust in him. Jesus is the jeweler David, when he's writing the psalm, he's prophetically setting the table saying that Jesus, the coming Messiah, is how someone with pure hands and a pure heart can enter into God's glory. See, glory is almost this, it's so holy, and the irony when it comes to God's glory is words can't even define God's glory. Might, majesty, holiness don't even define the glory of God. So when we see this, Jesus is the jeweler. He's, he's saying that there's no action that you can do. There's no will you can have to enter into the presence of God's glory. It's by this man, Jesus. I want to encourage you if you're in this place, if you're watching online, when you start that relationship with Jesus, what you're doing is say, Jesus, make me pure. Number three for us this evening is this. We recognize God's glory by regarding his presence. By regarding his presence. Psalm 24, verses 5 and 6, they say this. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. See, God's presence, as I mentioned earlier, is this tangible ark that David sees ascending into its proper place. It was composed and made up by Moses in Exodus, and it led the Israelites in battle. It led the Israelites through the wandering desert, and David is mesmerized by the glory that he tangibly sees. See, when David is writing this psalm, he's 
also highlighting this for our understanding is that, that you can be in the presence of God, but you can also miss the presence of God. We can be out here in the lobby together within 10 feet of each other. We can be considered in each other's presence, but we can also be not actually in each other's presence. You can ride in a car with somebody, and you can be in each other's presence, but if there's no conversation, if there's no, no word spoken, then there's actually a, a presence that's removed. I was meeting with the principal over here at Bayshore, Ben Osman, and we love Bayshore, and we're praying for teachers. They're going through so much right now with decisions and uh, COVID and everything. And I was talking to him, I said, what, what's some emphasis? And the teachers and the faculty got together. They have two emphases this year. The first one is this, teach kids to say thank you. They want to learn, they want people skills to be developed with their students. Next is this, they want to teach kids to look adults in the eye. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why? Because they want to make sure that the student is present with them. I think a lot of times when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to our, our, our walk with the Lord, we can be in his presence, but we might not be present. See, David, when he, he looks at this, he's like, God, we want to be people who worship in your intimate presence. When God spoke to Moses face to face, he was given direction. When God spoke to Elijah through a whisper, he was given answers. He was given a, a journey forward. When Jacob fought in the presence of God, he was forever marked. The disciples, when they met Jesus, when Jesus, before the death of Jesus, and after the death of Jesus, before Jesus ascended, they were made new. They were radically changed. Paul, when he was knocked onto his derriere, was radically changed. When the upper room, when the people got together, the apostles and the other followers, God's spirit poured out, they were radically changed. We recognize God's glory when we're in that presence, when we are radically changed. The presence of God changes life. The church is the community where God's presence is active and working. Acts 17, 23 through 27 says this, For I have passed along and I observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Well, therefore you worship as unknown. This I proclaim to you. This is Paul writing to a group of people who had questions on who the majesty of God was or what, who created the mountains, who created the seas. And Paul continues in verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by the human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation and of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. See, there's this understand that we can be in God's presence, but we can miss his presence. 
My prayer for this church is that we strive to live face to face in an intimate way in God's presence. Number four for us this evening is this. We recognize God's glory by regarding his protection. By regarding his protection. Psalms 24, 7 through 10 says this. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. Let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. I think many times we miss that, that when there's a battle at our doorstep, mentally, spiritually, physically, we have a God who's so glorified that whenever we lean in, he is showing up and showing out in an invincible way for us. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong, mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the king of glory enter. David says this, king of glory, king of glory, five times. He goes in verse 10, who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. We can't see God when we're too busy looking at our feet. See, David, he's seeing this procession of the Ark of the Covenant enter into Jerusalem, and he's saying, look up, see what is coming our way. See this protection, see this glory, see this might. The presence of God ascending on Jerusalem. Finally, these individuals are thinking, the presence, the protection is back where it needs to be. But here's the thing when it comes to God's protection. A lot of times it looks different than we can even imagine it. It looks different in ways we don't even fathom. He works in abnormal ways compared to our thinking. Um, as I close this evening, I, I remember this specific time in my life. Uh, 2017, uh, we had our first son, we had our son Bodie, he was one, and my wife was expecting. And we were living in Las Vegas at the time, and uh, this one unique night, we had a service, church service, I was a pastor on a staff, we had a church service this e- uh, a particular evening, and my, my normal routine was I would work all day, I would go home about the five o'clock hour, pick up my wife, my kid, and, and come back to church, and we'd have service, and that was the normal routine, but this one particular evening, I decided to, um, like my, my schedule got messed up out of sync, so I was near the house, and I was like, hey, uh, Britt, you want to uh, go grab some lunch? You can take Bodie and we can have some family time during the lunch hour and so we do that she comes uh so I go pick her up we go have lunch and I'm like well drop me back off at church so it kind of went a little longer lunch period did and uh she drops me off she goes back home I get a call about 15 minutes later she goes Blake um did you take the car I'm like Brittany no I didn't take the car our garage door was open our front door was open we were robbed in the middle of the day. Um, she lost all her family heirloom, jewelry, everything. Um, we had small electronics gone, and all our cabinets were open. The place was tossed and turned uh, in a period of an hour and a half. And I remember sitting there and frustrated. I'm literally getting ready to go preach the gospel, and I'm like, God, you can't throw me a bone? Like, like, serious, God, you couldn't have protected my family. Like, my wife, like, like, where you at? 
Like, do you want me to be a pastor anymore? I was having this conversation, if I'm being vulnerable with you, I'm being transparent with you in this moment, because it, it was startling. If you've ever gone through an experience like that, where someone's rifled through your things, where there's been a, a, a broken, you know, a <laughs> breaking and entering kind of thing, it, it makes you so vulnerable. It, it's hard to pallet. Um, so I was frustrated for a couple weeks turn on the evening news, Brittany and I are finally kind of getting back to normal. We file all the insurance claims and do all that. And uh, I remember this, this news. I never really watched the news in Vegas because it's depressing. And I remember clicking on the news this one particular night. There's this man, 25 uh, houses have been broken into into our area. House two blocks away. There's this nanny cam that popped up. Okay, they have footage. This man breaks in this house, same MO, during the day, every, just flips on, turns off the power, enters the house through the back, and, and I remember watching this. He attacks the, the, the pregnant stay-at-home mom, robs the whole place, she goes to ICU, and the man is still on the loose. I, the community watch, neighborhood watch, everybody was up in arms, and it was one of those scary situations. And I remember thinking to myself, that whole year, I had the same schedule. That one abnormal moment where my schedule got flipped upside down on that particular day. My wife joins me for lunch. And I was so fortunate that that wasn't my wife on the other end of that situation. Now, humanity can mix some things up. But I do believe in this, that God is for us. He's fighting for us. And he protects us in ways we can't even imagine, in ways we don't even know. If you're too late to work that one particular time and there was an accident, if maybe you made that one financial decision but actually it didn't go through, God protect you. God's always protecting us in ways we don't even imagine. And what David is highlighting here in Psalms 24, he's saying, look up. See the king of glory. He's fighting for you. He declares heaven's armies. He is the leader and the king above it all. And he is for us. He's the king of glory. So tonight we're going to conclude with a song and a moment of reflection just here in a few minutes. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, that you have a God where words don't even do him justice. There's a God that's bigger than we can even imagine, that's bigger than our problems, that's bigger than our frustrations. He's the king of glory. He's given us son Jesus Christ to enter into a relationship with him, then we have this moment to say, hey, king of glory, be with us. Lord, right now we're going to enter to a time of we enter to a time of prayer.
we observe and we see you are the king of glory. You are the, the beginning and the end that you've built this world. Everything in it belongs to you. God, though, there is moments where there's inequities and there's sin and there's brokenness and there we don't have all the answers and won't have all the answers, but we do know this, that your glory is so great, your majesty is so overwhelming that we can trust in you, we can rely in you, and you're gonna provide even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it. God, tonight, may we give everything to you and leave control to you. May we be made pure by your son, and tonight, Lord, may we just live in this posture of protection under your umbrella. I pray for those who are watching online or here in this place who are going through different situations. May they just lean in and call out to the King of glory. Tonight, as we looked at a prayer of glory, may we keep a posture of glory. And in your great name, we all say in this place, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.